What up, world? It is the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the podcast mercenary, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review the Marvel film that just came out in theaters, Black Widow. And this film was fire. So let's get into it. Um, I'm, I don't have notes today because since it's out in theaters, I didn't have a notepad, obviously, because it's dark as hell in the damn Dolby Cinema and AMC. So what I'm going to do is just riff off the cuff because this was such a great film. I don't want notes. I want to just talk about it and just get into it with just unfiltered and whatever. And we just go and see what happens. So Black Widow is a 2021 film that came out this year that was supposed to come out, I believe, in 2020 or 2019. But we all know what happened. The world melted, everything, you know, the end game happened for real. So, you know, things got a little wild. So now that we're kind of back to normal, I know my state in Massachusetts, we're 100% normal for the most part. Uh, I think like over 70 plus percent of people in the state are vaccinated. We don't even need a mask in a gym. You don't need a mask in theaters. It's that normalized. Like I went to the Starbucks today and was able to sit down for the first time ever and I'm like, finally, we're back to quote unquote normal because people here are smart enough to get vaccinated. So get your vaccines, folks. It's going to protect you and you don't want to die from a deadly virus. So or, or at least get super sick. You know, I'm not wishing that on anybody. But so here we go. I'm in the theaters, right? Fully vaxxed up, just grabbing my popcorn. And no, I didn't get popcorn. I got the pretzel bites, the, the salted caramel ones and drink. I had a coupon for uh 10 bucks so i actually got it for dirt cheap i got it for like four bucks i'm like this is a steal and it was a tuesday night at amc and they still honor those uh ticket prices the half off of the actual ticket price versus a regular day so i'm like you got that little matinee price so in total i only spent about 15 dollars total that night which is more than worth it for this film i would have paid full price but i'm in a little budgeting crisis right now so i gotta be a little frugal for the time being for my own benefit so this film was such a crazy action flick. I mean, this felt like the Bourne series as far as production. And it had a little bit of Fast and Furious in it because the whole theme of the movie was family. So, <laughs> All right, so Toretto wasn't in the film, but it definitely had those vibes. Like the whole film was just lit because it was nonstop action. It was that femme fatale spy flick film I expected. But then it, it had the Marvel vibes and it had callbacks to the uh, Red Guardian, who is the quote-unquote father figure of the Black Widow and his character played by none other than Stranger Things own David Harbour and also he was in Hellboy we don't talk about Hellboy the movie is trash but yes David Harbour plays the Alexei Shostakov no Shostakov and um, he's a super soldier the only Russian super soldier they were able to make before they were shut down then we got Florence Pugh, who plays Elena Belova, and she's also a Black Widow, and she's like a sister figure to uh, Natasha, who is trained in the Red Room with Natasha, a little bit younger than her by a couple of years, but um, essentially her and Natasha had a falling out, obviously, because she turned good and became this Avenger, while her sister is still tied up with the Black Widow crimes, I don't want to say syndicate, but yeah, you can pretty much call them that, the super spies, and that's that whole sisterly bond or rivalry whatever you want to call it um you got the mother rachel wise play, who plays melena vostokov who's also an og black widow she's an older black widow so this is literally what happens so black widows are taken from poverty stricken families from the streets pretty much they're taking anybody that can use a home and they trained them in the red room now if you read the comic books the red room was a physical place as far as on earth in this film it seems that the red room is somewhere up above the skies 
Now, of course, I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit better and more phonetically later, but for now, let's get back to this. So the whole film is Natasha's on the run. This is right after Infinity War, before Endgame, so it's that five-year gap where she's hiding. She hasn't got her hair blonde yet, so it's somewhere between that where she is on the run trying to find who she can trust because she's out and about in the middle of nowhere, and she goes like to Norway to kind of live in a secluded cabin. What is it with Marvel characters living in secluded, secluded cabins? It's becoming a theme now. The Incredible Hulk was in a secluded cabin, Wanda, <laughs> Scarlet Witch is in a secluded cabin, and now the Black Widow, Natasha is. So it's like, okay, so obviously, you, oh, then again, Wolverine and all the X-Men films, but that's not the MCU. But you know what I'm getting at. There's a big theme where like getting lost in the middle of nowhere to just kind of recollect yourself is a big theme. And it's never going to be a beach setting. It's always in the middle of the wilderness. I guess that's the one place you can really disconnect from society and not stick out like a sore thumb. So that's that. Um, what is there to say about uh, the film? Uh, I loved it. I mean, whatever criticisms people have, they're just blowing smoke up your ass because this was actually better than I expected. Yes, was this film like eight years too late? It should have came out a few years earlier. But the issue is you would have not had the cast that you have now in the film, which made the film good. Because if you put other actors in these roles, they would have not felt great the great chemistry with each other. Like as far as Scarlett Johansson's character and David Harbour's and Florence Pugh and Rachel Wise, they all seem to fit. They all have this great bond. They all joke very well. For an action spy drama, there's a lot of humor in here. I mean, there's moments where Florence Pugh's character, Elena, is making fun of how... <laughs> Natasha's always superhero posing when she lands before her striking and she's like it makes me go to puke and in one moment of the scene she actually tries and she's like gets the heebie-jeebies like I'm never doing that again <laughs> so you know you get a lot of that humor from Florence but again her character is very much humanized version of Natasha it's not that Natasha's not humanized but she's desensitized after all the trauma she's been through whereas Elena seems to have essentially kept some of her youthful banter and her comedic sensibilities. Not that Natasha doesn't have it, but she plays more of the, yes, I've gone through a lot of hardships and a lot of shit in my life, but at the same time, I'm going to try to find the light somewhere. And that's great. She's very positive and very much trying to make things seem real. As far as their family goes, they start off in the middle of nowhere. We start this film off in 1995. These Russian agents, obviously, this is a big theme in the Cold War era. I remember this as a kid. A lot of Cold War films talk about these secret Russian spies. And um, they all live as a family, but they're not related, obviously, because they're all kidnapped from whatever. Families are going to donate their daughters to wait for money because these poor Russian families are just trying to survive. And these daughters, they can't afford to feed them or whatever, whatever case may be. And they're in Ohio, and the, the the agents, Black Widow and Red Guardian, are posing as typical Americans, and they're there training these girls in case if something goes down. So when shit goes down, they're going to go to the Red Room and become actual assassins and spies. So, of course, S.H.I.E.L.D. is uh, involved and gets a wind of what they're doing. They're like, okay, so we got to get out of here. And they escape to Cuba with this crazy sequence where they get on this, a little plane and they land on Cuba because obviously at the time Cuba was not in good terms with America and obviously the Russians and Cubans were working together in the 80s or 90s I believe, you know, Bay of Pigs and all that stuff. I forgot the dates, don't sue me if this is past that, I'm just saying they have history, alright? This is not a history class, <laughs> I'm just giving the cliff notes setting up the era of the film because the film is essentially somewhere along the lines of the 90s but it fast forwards to the 2010s and that's where we're at with the characters in modern day 
So yeah, this movie was lit from the get-go. There was action sequences popping off, like people were getting shot at. I'm like, yo, this is wild to me. Like this is all happening within the first few minutes. And I'm talking about they're shooting the planes, knowing there's kids in there, or I think they know there are kids in there. And Red Guardian's on the outside of the plane, holding on with a wing with a sniper rifle. And get, mind you, a sniper rifle on a moving target, not not easy. You're the moving target. You're the moving part of the sniper shot. That's rough. And then the cars are moving. These jeeps are or SUVs are closing in, and he's taking them out. So yeah. So once they get sent away, we got a crazy sequence where there's a cover of uh, "It Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. But it's a more slowed down version. Uh, it has like a little bit of golf vibe to it. And the years pass from these flashbacks that we see as they're progressing in their trainings in the Red Room. And Shostakov is in prison in Russia while uh, Romanov defects from S.H.I.E.L.D. Remember this part of the Infinity War where things happen? And after bombing Drakov's Budapest office, apparently it's pronounced Budapest, not Budapest, which obviously makes sense because Budapest is not in America. So. It doesn't have to have the American enunciations. If that's how they pronounce it over there, cool. And apparently killing him and his young daughter, Antonia, which haunts her all these years. See, this is why she's this troubled person all this life. Because she killed a kid so many years ago and it's stuck in her head. And that's what she ma- makes her feel like a monster and not like a person. In 2016, now we're fast-forwarding, uh, Romanoff is a fugitive, violating Sokovia Accords. Remember that happened when they got Ant-Man, Captain, all of them who defected and who fought against, you know, Spider-Man and, and Iron Man and all that. Who fought against, not joined. Remember, there were two sides of the Civil War. Uh, so she escapes from the U.S. Secretary's office, from uh, Thunder, uh, Thunderbolt Ross's, and flees into a safe house in Norway where she gets a supplier by the name of Rick Manson. He's this English dude with a very strong English accent, using very strong English words. So like, okay, he seems very sharp and educated, but he's the guy that you go to when you need things. And he's there to help her off. He's almost like a comedic part of the movie because he's not in the action of it. He's just a friend of hers that like, hey, I'm the supplier. Whatever you need, I got you. So that was what that set up. And Norway is beautiful, by the way. I've never been, but I'd like to go. The mountains are so like mesmerizing, as you can say, or breathtaking. So there we are. She's there in this shitty little flat. It looks like a trailer. I'm going to just call her the trailer because that's what it is. It's a trailer. She's just in a trailer watching old Bond films, quoting them and as uh, the, she loses power. And then she goes to the in town. And that's when she gets attacked by the damn uh, Taskmaster of all people. I'm like, oh, shit, we're getting Taskmaster already. And it was setting up similar to when Winter Soldier attacked Captain back in uh, Winter Soldier. And I'm like, yo, Taskmaster looks menacing and this character is over there kicking her ass and trying to chase her. And there was a sequence before this where I believe uh, her sister, like Yelena, was defected by accident because they were chasing this agent who went rogue. The agent sprayed some spray into her, like, her face as she got killed. And it kind of got, got her out of this trance. Apparently, all the Black Widows are under mind control with pheromones. Thus, taking away any sense of free will when it comes to the mission. And we get this crazy sequence where Yelena's just fighting off her friends now because she has gotten out of the spell and she has a bunch of vials in this container that the woman had. And that's what it was. These potions or antitoxins can take you, snap you out of that whole Black Widow trance. So now she's become the target and she's off and she runs. And then we, this is why Taskmaster attacked. Scarlett Johansson's character um, Natasha because 
accidentally somehow the Rick Mason character was able to grab all her stuff from her office and give it to her and one of the packages was from Yelena and it was those same vials and the taskmaster is after the vials because he works for the Red Room and the big guy in charge and he's got to take it down before they can defect any more Black Widows. So it's this whole cat and mouse chase where they're trying to like find out who where the Red Room is. They can't they can't find it for a year and Boskovov and Romanos use um so many ways to like well they, their characters meet up years later in the middle of the woods and they set up this trap to capture Drakov and kind of leave Red Guardian in the dark and but Yelena someone involved and they they get purposely high, uh, kidnapped or taken so they can get sent to the Red Room and take him down from within but this whole battle is this big fight to see why this guy is still trying to create so many soldiers and for power. He wants to rule the world like any other supervillain. So this is where I would mention that the base is in over the skies. It's like the Hell Carrier. It's literally over the skies. Huge compound, you know, hovering over the over the skies where even radar can't reach it. That's why nobody knows where it was. Because he wasn't on land. He was above ground the whole time. And this Drakov character who Black Widow allegedly killed and said, yes, I took him out, is still alive because Elena's like, no, you didn't. Did you even search for her body? He's like, there was no body to search for. It was a giant explosion. He survived it. And so they have to go find and take him down because he's still creating more Black Widows in modern times. So they thought the program was shut down years ago. And here he is creating more secret spies. And then that was the whole film is them trying to take him down. Then there's a plot twist. Apparently the little girl that Antonia that Natalia Vlasha killed is actually still alive and she grew up to be the taskmaster and Drakov essentially turned her his daughter into a monster but the ultimate killing machine because she's a mimic she has a computer chip in her brain where she can upload all the fighting styles and you're like he takes her mask off and she see the deformed face and Natasha like looks at it so this girl has now become the ultimate assassin for Drakov and the whole film is just alluded to this whole thing where it's all about Drakov no matter what happens but the family dynamic was one of my favorite parts because it added so much levity this film had a lot of humor but it didn't feel forced it just was like people being people it showed their personalities I love when characters have personalities they're not one note and yes they're assassins they're all like government agents of some sort but they all have different character traits, and that's what makes the film stand out. These characters do not feel like carbon copies of Natasha. They all had their own distinct characteristics. Red Guardian was very lovable, very obsessed with Captain America. He's the ultimate rival of his, apparently. In prison, he won't shut up about it as he's arm wrestling the whole damn prison. Um, Yelena is humorous. She's got style choice. She, when she was free, she bought her first purchase ever with free will, and that was his cool vest that had so many pockets <laughs> that the whole theater rumbling and laughter and i'm like i'm dead and she like gave her to natasha at the end of the film like hey here you go as a gift because you like the jacket so much and that's a jacket that she wore in infinity war when she had the blonde wig i'm like oh wow it all kind of ties in i get it i know it's a little article of clothing but it makes sense where like there's a meaning behind the jacket like she never wore a jacket before she just wore the black widow catsuit and then in that film, she was wearing the jacket. I'm like, okay, she, she had a, this is like a memento from her sister. So this whole freaking final act, my gosh. So there was a lot of intrigue in this film. I can't break down all the little moments. It was so great. I mean, when they infiltrated the base, 
Taskmaster and Red Guardian had this crazy fight sequence where he got his ass beat because, again, Taskmaster knows everyone's style. Like, fighting like the Wakandans, fighting like Captain America with the shield and everything. Any pretty much allied enemy that the Avengers faced, uh, Dracoff was actually has recorded them and uploaded them into the USB drive in his daughter's brain. As crazy as that sounds, it doesn't really sound crazy in a Marvel film. I mean, we've seen aliens here. And all these years, Natasha's like, if he was alive all this time, why didn't he try to get revenge on me? And then that's when he ended up pointing out that essentially like, hey, how, how what would you do if one of your former employees was best friends with a god in space? Meaning Thor, he's like, yeah, so he wasn't trying to mess with the Avengers because he knew he couldn't take them down. So that's why he lived in the shadows. And now that they're all disbanded, this is where she's the most vulnerable. And, of course, there was a crazy sequence in the Red Room where the Black Widows got activated per, per se. And thankfully, in the end, after um, Natasha gets her ass beat and almost in oblivion, Yelena comes in and drops the bomb of the vials that frees him from that trance. And Drakov gives his iconic villain speech. And when he does, she's trying to essentially rile him up. Black Widow's trying to rile him up so she can get hit because apparently his smell of the pheromones can control them. That's why they're not able to attack him. Even though she wants to kill him, she is subconsciously can't do it. But this is when her mom's little argument, like, wait a minute, if you destroy this nerve in your head, you can't smell anything. That's where your smell receptors come from. And so she's trying to get hit in the face and attacked by Drakov and doesn't do the trick so she head bashes her own head in the desk to crack the nerve and then she's freed and able to attack him and again this is where the Black Widows come in and it's a whole crazy wild sequence but in the end everything happens how it's supposed to where they all escape the ship as it's getting shot down uh, no one from the core family dies thankfully again it's a Marvel film they, there wasn't any great sacrifice but then again Natasha's character does end up dying in Endgame so Maybe they were trying to like lay off the character deaths, which actually plays into the end credit because that's when I believe the Hydra agent uh, Valerie shows up and gives her the next assignment to Yelena. Yelena commits her uh, sister's grave after all these years. And they're putting the blame on Hawkeye because that's who was at the Soul Gems destination and you know how that goes so it leads in ties in with the hawkeye series so now the hawkeye series which i was like not really looking forward to has a purpose it's not just a vehicle for jeremy renner's character it actually has some ties and it, it keeps these uh, characters into the stories and i'm excited to see where the story goes i think hawkeye's next lined up as far as the next mcu show on disney plus so when that comes out it all makes sense because it all ties in and we'll see what happens from there but this film was lit like i was watching this movie like this is fire like the whole film was just so damn good um man i missed a lot of stuff i just kind of went in a tangent here but on uh, the post credits you know we have romanoff's death i just mentioned that uh yelena encounters contessa valentina allegra de fontaine that's a, quite a name my gosh, it's long as shit. Uh, and they're there to talk about Clint Barton, Hawkeye, and who they think is responsible for Natasha's death. He claims that it's a, the reason was because of him that he was going to sacrifice himself, but she ended up outsmarting him and sacrificed herself for the soldier. But before this, we got Drakeoff trying to escape Black Widow's attack, and Belova creates an antidote bomb that I mentioned that before. Um, then they go to the control room and take down the ship, explodes, and this fast and furious like skydiving sequence happens. And they take the Taskmaster out of her trance as she's ready to kill Black Widow. And with everyone freed, all the Black Widows kind of just 
became like a giant family and they're all working together instead of working for Drakov. So they're no longer in, under anyone's mind control, but they kind of become like this super squad of spies. And they them with Natasha's family all escape and Natasha purposely goes to prison. They escape on a Quinjet. The purpose of Natasha staying behind is because she wants to go to the raft to free the Avengers, setting up the Endgame film. So it all ties in. What a great way to give this character a send-off, a proper send-off. And yes, now that the movie's out, it makes sense why it came out when it came out, because it wasn't just an origin film. It was a film tying in her past with her present and kept the consistency of introduction of characters because you're slowly setting the seeds for the next phase of the MCU, if it's even phases anymore. We're going to see where it goes from here. But this movie was a four out of five for me. So damn good. Uh, so consistent. A lot better than I expected it to be. Uh what can I say? I mean, I loved all the characters. I loved all the villains. Everything made sense. There wasn't, it didn't feel too long. It was two hours and 13 minutes of credits. So it's like two hours long. So for a spy action flick, it did the justice of what it was and definitely kept you on the edge of your seat. Definitely recommend it. Highly recommend it. If you watched it, you know what I was t- I'm talking about. Now, some people complained that Taskmaster wasn't the Taskmaster in the comics. I'm like, yeah, but this time this Taskmaster kind of made sense. Like, why wouldn't you turn somebody who is this essentially this tragic character and turn him into an ultimate monster but in the end for this ultimate monster to be freed and live their normal life now so now she's able to live a normal life freed from her shackles just like the other black widows and who knows what the future holds for all these characters because who's to say the taskmaster and the black widows can't come back Oh, I left out one of my favorite scenes. Um, there was a face-swapping scene like in Mission Impossible where Natasha and her mom were able to switch fa- faces because you find out that her mom still works at Dracov, right? And because of that, she was when they were captured, she was free to go to his office where her mom, who is, was playing her, <laughs> is in a cell with Red Guardian. And that's where it started this whole sequence of like a Trojan horse attack to take him out. And that was good. I'm like, I like how they set that up because I didn't see that coming one bit. I didn't even see face swapping technology being a thing in this world. But I'm like, okay, they're spies. This is definitely literally from a spy film. So it actually makes sense. Like they take a lot of callbacks in the Bond series and the Bourne series and also Mission Impossible. And I like that they're using aspects of all these films, you know, as well as Tomb Raider, not Tomb Raider, Salt and other films like that too. Um, it was crazy. Like they definitely took aspects of all spy genres and, made this great badass movie so i'm hyped that people got to see this end product and atasha got a proper send-off her character definitely lived an crazy uh lifestyle and in the end she got quite the happy ending for now until her ultimate demise down the road obviously but uh thank y'all for tuning in this has been another cgr meter review i am the puerto rican kaiju the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, signing off till next time. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Stay safe.